brought to you by the Rugby Outlet Mall, equipping you for freedom and connection through rugby. Find out more at RugbyOutletMall.com. I think the minute I stepped on a practice field for rugby, the calling happened. Uh, an eight-year plan to be on the team, and I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro, right? Like, I like doing something, look, stopping and learning from it. Like, it just looked like it was a heavy hit. If it's up, it's not up. You know, that's the first time I played, like, professionally. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And those two Scottish guys, and they said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. Rugby is a sport where that's often coupled with actually having a good time. He looked at me and he says, you guys are awesome. Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Bailu, and this is the podcast where we get the chance to talk with people about the opportunities that they have found, been able to take advantage, and of course share with us that they've learned via rugby. We have an amazing guest. This is an immaculate young woman, an activist, rugby player, and now she can put on her resume, state senator for Rhode Island, Tiara Mack, being on the podcast today. I was so excited to be able to get this one. Newly elected state senator for Rhode Island, just absolutely killing the game from a personal level, an career level, and of course from a rugby level. You guys are going to love this one. She was so charismatic, so great to talk to. Uh, So much information, so much look, and and the passion for rugby is amazing. And I hope that we get to see more uh, congressional or just political rugby people because I think the matchup can be very, very uh, appealing in terms of being able to create breadth and wider scope of understanding when it comes to the to to just life and seeing things. So I I was so excited to be able to talk with her. I know I repeated it already, but I'm okay with doing it multiple times. And I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I know it's been a couple weeks since we've been post we've posted a, a a podcast. Of course, the holiday season. If you're watching the video, you'll know I'm not in my normal background. Even I'm enjoying the time with the family. And I hope that even if you didn't get a chance to go see your family, that you had a chance to be able to be with somebody that is or be with people that you feel warm with. And that's what matters. At least be able to feel loved. And even if it's just you being at home, just being able to feel comfortable. Like, it might not have been ideal, but at least you're able to feel comfortable. And that's what matters most. So, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen in on the podcast today. And just let you guys know, of course, we get a hit with the sponsorships. Rugby Outlet Mall, promo code Grow Rugby, G-R-E-A-U-X Rugby. But I just actually want to talk more about what we got stocked up on the website now with the Spectator Starter Kit for Rugby, the newest kit that we have for anybody who is a spouse, uh, a partner, a friend, a parent who's just trying to be able to fit themselves into the rugby climate and find a way to be a part of the community without having to play or even to be a regular, a new fan and just being able to be a part of the community and get to enter in, but you don't know where to start, we got it set for you there. Even on top of that, whether even if you are a new rugby player and you're like, hey, you know, not only do I want to be able to rock out and understand what's going on uh, with my club, but I want to also understand how the culture works all together and what I need to do it. This is the kit for you, the spectator starter kit for rugby. And I'm going to say once again, this one runs under the grow the gift time rugby merch moment. So if you guys use promo code G-R-E-A-U-X rugby, you guys will get 20% off of any gear that we have on the website. Any under Gift Time Rugby Network or HBCU Rugby Classic. And we got some great stuff that's up on there now and still coming in. Still is coming in. You know, it's not Christmas yet. Yo, you guys can still go get your stuff today. Jump on it. And then, of course, if you guys are with the family taking some time out, add to the family bonding. You want them to be even more in tune with your rugbiness. Yo, you need to check out our documentary, Singapore to Tokyo, any way we can. You absolutely want to check this out. It'll give you another appreciation for the breadth 
of rugby. And as myself and my friend Jason, we traveled from Singapore literally to Tokyo, bike riding across Southeast Asia on our way to the 2019 Rugby World Cup. And we get to meet so many meaningful people who are using rugby to not just have fun, not to just satiate themselves, but to also be able to change culture and community. It is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful documentary. It is very easy to watch. It's seven episodes, 20 minutes per episode, and I'm telling you, you're not going to want to put it down one bit. Absolutely go check it out, and you guys will not regret a thing. Lastly, before I send you guys in, because you know what? I want to make sure that you guys get to this interview. Please... Feel, please feel free to leave a review on Apple iTunes if you're using it, Apple Podcasts if you're using it. It helps us. It helps give us a little bit more data. But leave a review, a comment, anything uh, lets us know. And also, don't forget to ch- follow us on Instagram at Grow Rugby Podcast uh, on IG. I'm thinking of it like it's a website. At, at Grow Rugby, G R E A U X Rugby Podcast. You can find it and please follow. We post up first there, of course, always. And also, you can check it out the full interviews, the video interviews on our YouTube page, uh, youtube.com slash Gift Time Rugby Network. And you guys can see not just the interviews, but skits, videos, games, highlights. Yo, we bringing it down, all right? And just this, oh, I'm so excited for what 2021 is going to end up bringing. I'm so excited for what 2021 is going to end up bringing. We got so much going down into it, man. And even let you know the news, Women's Rugby World Cup obviously knows 2021. And then, of course, boom, next thing we know, they're going to be adding more teams to the Women's Rugby World Cup. And if you don't understand that, how big a deal that is, I'm going to let you know. It's been 12 teams so far. The last rugby, Women's Rugby World Cup, 2017, Ireland. Box office smashing. Broke records like it's nothing. And you don't think that, if you don't think that in New Zealand, 2021, Women's Rugby World Cup isn't going to be coming back even harder, now you get to see even more teams be able to go up and compete because these women play gangbuster tough. They play Fast, fluid, amazing rugby. I would not recommend ever missing one bit of it. And we're going to hopefully be able to be there barring any of this COVID situation uh, escalating even more. So in the meantime, yo, at this mo- take the time, get to listen to one of the dopest women in rugby right now. Uh, State Senator Tiara Mack of Brown Rugby simultaneously. And Providence Rugby. Check it out. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. I got a um, very important V, v- incredible I, and the P is of the P's. You know, P person, person is of the, you know, it doesn't work the same. But, hey, we have Tiara Mack, state senator, Rhode Island, rugby player, activist. Yo, Tiara, thank you so much for coming through. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yo, you know, I, I, I have to say, you know, I, I didn't know as much about you prior to whenever we had the, um, the, the conversation with, uh, with, um, Roots Rugby and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And actually, a little bit right before, because they had just started putting out the articles and saying, like, yo, you're running. I was like, oh, who is this person? Oh, wait, 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 wait. We got a rugby person, like, doing, like, real stuff in the most perfect political time. And then mm-hmm. add to that, then we having the discussion and just you just being dope on it. Like, engaging, charismatic. I was like, it made my asking questions a lot easier. <laughs> Oh, and, and like, exactly. It was just like, it, it's, I was like, look, I, I can talk to this person. I, I, I can talk with her. Like this, this feels yeah. right. I was, yeah. Like we needed to, I needed to have the one-on-one convo with you. And just the fact that, uh, you know, get to dig in a little bit more, just how impressive your story really is. Like you really are dope. Like, yo, I'm going <laughs> to like, yo, you make, you slowing down, 
making me be like, yo, I need to go do more work. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. The goal is to not have to work because our community's just like work for us. <laughs> That's the goal. Facts. You know, it's setting up the system. Uh, let it be self-sustaining within itself, right? Yeah, that's the goal. Work yeah. really hard for the next 10 to 15 years to make a sustainable system. And then, yo, we all get to rest. <laughs> we just get a big rest. <laughs> yo, look, I know, I know this COVID time has always felt like people have been getting the ultimate rest. But I feel like it, it re- always revealed the two components. It was, one how much we were not prepared for anything. I think that one was Mm -hmm. always very obvious. And then I think the second one was how much we, maybe the best way is how much of the time that we needed to kind of refresh our, our system, whether it was educationally, whether it's restfully, or even, you know, whether it was in a mental uh, aspect or anything like that, it, Mm -hmm. there kind of was this sudden, Yo, you have a reboot, and and it's now reality is hitting in a different way. And what you come out of this is something real for you. Is it, you know going in through this year? How has it been for you? Yeah, well, um, I announced my campaign in 2019, so very different world. I was like, okay, cool. I um, by this time next year, I think I announced like 13 months before the election. I was like, by this time next year, I'll um, have knocked on hundreds of doors, talked to hundreds of people. Had a really challenging campaign, and then in in March when there was the global pandemic, I was like, "This is not what I expected." Like, right. it was hard, but I didn't expect it to be so hard and such right. an uphill battle with so many barriers. And like, not only is it facing a global pandemic, it's like figuring out whether or not my job is going to follow me because we are a um, healthcare provider. It's figuring out whether or not I'll be able to like leave or find a roommate because we the pandemic. It was also having so many different conversations about black and brown people and police brutality, um, taking up a lot of my headspace and my mental health and wellness. Um, on top of also having a campaign and being confined to my apartment, being able to work out in the gym, being able to play rugby, um, and also not being able to see my friends and family who um, live back down south and don't live the same home as me. So it was a lot of different things. Um, and luckily, um, I had something like a very stressful and very time-consuming to kind of structure a lot of my goals. Um, but I definitely think that if I did not have something that was taking like 60 to 70 hours of my week, I would had a completely different outcome. I think that's a, that's one thing that I think was underestimated was if you're able to have something to be able to distract you. Because I know a lot of people, obviously, streaming and social media plays one fact. But I mean, to have a purposeful direction, that's where I go back to. The reboot kind of tells us how much purpose plays into our day-to-day mm-hmm. lives and how much it, it, it gener- genuinely like can drive what we go to what how our mentality to physicality just plays out fully yeah no it's and it's also like illuminates that a lot of the problems that exist aren't just because we had a global pandemic that made everything stop it's like well these are problems before there was a global pandemic right uh people didn't have food before people didn't have a city paycheck before people didn't have access to uh quality health care beforehand so it's not like these are not problems. these are old problems that got worse because of the virus and we're still not doing the things that we need to do about them to make things better Right. Exposure. Exposure showed how real everything was. And you know what? I, I mean, and I'm going to get into, obviously, your origin, but I, I just got to say, even the exposure from companies, the, the rhetoric that had always been done, where it's like, hey, look, if you work in this hard way or you're doing all these right things, uh, then you're able to be able to sway and succeed. And you, these corporations exist in that they're, they're impervious. But I feel like unlike what happened in 2008, like this one exposed like how many companies in themselves are running check to check to check. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of this was like you said, uh, uh, the mythos being revealed, the emperor's clothing was uh, shown to not be there, you know? And I think yeah. it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was, in, I, in one hand, I, it was impressive in the fact of like, yo, how much BS 
was really being bandaged. It's all smoke and mirrors. It is all smoke and mirrors. And it's a really elaborate and well-crafted lie, but it is still a lie. The fact that some of these like top companies couldn't afford hazard pay for six months, still can't afford hazard pay, but the first people to go were the lowest paid employees, but the people who are making top dollar at these multi-million dollar companies are still able to keep their regular consistent check without having to take pay cuts. It's like, whoa, like a 10% pay cut pays for like five to 10 employees in some places, sometimes right. even more. Um, so really just investigating um, and looking at the systems like, wait, we actually do have enough money. Y'all didn't have to lay off anyone. You just had to take a pay cut. You're making $1.3 billion or million dollars. Like why? Your lowest paid employees making $30,000 a year. Take a pay cut during the global pandemic. You're not, you don't need a million dollars to go on a fancy trip because all the airports You can't go closed. anywhere. <laughs> Everything's closed. <laughs> Um, and so I think that's also one of the ways that I think this pandemic has been um, really productive at highlighting that we're not like the crazy radical people who just like want to up in society and change things um, and be like crazy socialists. It's like, no, like socialist ideals actually work because the system that we have privileges the people who are wealthy and well connected. Um, we've been sold the lie that if you work hard, work every single day, you'll be set and you'll have everything you need. Well, as soon as COVID came and people literally could not work and people were losing their job left and right, and it was people who came from good colleges or good families or had a like well-to-do job, um, when that wasn't the case, they're like, oh, this could happen to literally anyone. It's like, yes, we've been telling you that for years. It could literally happen to anyone. Um, it could be you, it could be your uncles, it could be your aunts, it could literally just be you. It's a luck of the draw and our, our system literally operates on luck and not hard work and very few people know that. Yeah, no, uh, that's probably one of the realest things you, you could say. The system works on luck. Uh, and you know, it, it, it's always interesting that we, you, it's said, but it's always said under breath. It's always said, Work hard, uh, do the right things, a little bit of luck, and then you go there. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's that little missed a little bit of luck and having the right factors uh, kind of come together. Yeah, it's a whole lot of luck. luck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 wild. It's it's wild. But I, I, I it was a ne this has been a necessary evil in my mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah, uh, I think I, so too. Yeah, like I was gonna say, it it it's not one that the. The consequences are not are harsh, and I don't think they were worth having to learn it this way. But unfortunately, nothing seems to go unless there is something significant. Yeah, and I also feel like some people are not learning. I'm, this pandemic has been what eight months now, and some people still have yet to learn. I'm like, yo, we actually, <laughs> you need to learn quicker because we are we are eight months. Old. I want right. to have a 2021. <laughs> Right. And that I, I do wonder, I do hope that whatever we have for this post COVID world, uh, mm -hmm. well, let me restate that because post COVID doesn't sound like it's a real thing anymore. What we have in this post quarantine world, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what I, I'm really hoping to see that we are able to get the reinnovations that we desperately needed. I mean, I was really hoping even from a social standpoint, I'm hoping it still exists in some way, shape or form that there's not just seeds, but we have like actual plants that are now growing within the social dynamic that is allowing some of these, these, I'm not going to even say radical because some of them aren't really even that radical. It's like, not, there's nothing radical about thinking that people deserve homes and food and jobs um, right. and healthy communities. I don't think that's radical. I think that's human and fair and yeah. I mean, look, even from, look, at, even from a capitalistic standpoint, I would even go like, this is viable. This is beneficial for you. The people who are capable of being sustained are much more likely to be able to purchase from you. If you are not having sustainable people, how can you even work to try and make a profit on anything? Which mm -hmm. you start to show, like happy people are just happy people are more likely to just 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 give more. Mm -hmm. If you can give, if you're willing to provide the floor, then why not go ahead and and do it so that you can have a longer term outcome versus. 
Yeah, and it's cheaper in the long run. It's cheaper in the long run. Yeah, literally cheaper in the long run. We're spending so much money in our society fixing and putting band-aids over problems rather than like getting to the root of them and like pulling out all the bad weeds that are causing all of our grass to die. I'm not a gardener, so I don't know why I use that. (laughs) (laughs) Keep running with it. They don't have to know this. I was like, uh, I don't know if grass weeds. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are weeds and there's grass, and like pull out the weeds, but not the grass. Um, right. Um, <laughs> I got distracted with the metaphor myself. So oh, I'm about to be like, somebody's been in Rhode Island for a while. The, the South Carolina and the Georgia has been seeping out for a little yeah. <laughs> No, that's dope. All right. So. Because we're gonna, I want to continue on this, but I want to get some origin story first because we got to get your background in here, yes. uh, and it kind of helps lead everything up properly. Love so you know, I always, I always like, exactly, you know, this is this is a superhero story, all right? We're in our own Marvel DC universe. Yeah, sometimes yeah. more real than not. Batman <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> look, I'm look, Tara. I'm I'm just gonna let you know we're 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 gonna be friends for a while. All right, I'm just <laughs> I'm just gonna put this out. Just know this. This is just letting you know for the future that we're friends. Yeah, this is the audition for the friendship post. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, audition in the sense of nepotism. So yeah, sure. We- <laughs> I'm auditioning for you now. <laughs> oh, but you know, kind of what what uh, what got you started with rugby, and 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 subsequently, I will ask what got you started into activism. Um, but rugby first. Yeah, well, my older sibling played rugby at the University of Georgia. Um, I was in seventh grade, and I remember going to my first rugby social when I was in seventh grade. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> Yo! Yes. All right, this is a way to inoculate early. <laughs> yeah, we, we love a good older sibling who uh, really just throws you into the world of rugby. Um, and it was really great. Learned a lot um, about rugby. <laughs> and I remember- Rugby. Yeah, all, rugby is a very diverse sport. <laughs> Lots of activities, including rugby. Um, but I, I remember seeing my older sibling play for the first time. I think they got a, they got a black eye. They broke their nose. Um, and my mom's like, what in the world is going on? And I was like, oh, yeah, this is like, pretty cool. Like, I'm, I'm into this. Um, and seeing like the close group of friends that my older sibling had, being at the University of Georgia, playing on their rugby team. Um, and rugby being a really big like centerpiece of their college experience and of their like young adult life, like leaving home um, and kind of forming an identity at college with a rugby team was always something that kind of resonated with me. Um, and then I, I always played sports in high school and then going into Brown University, they sent out an email to all the people who were athletes, but who weren't like varsity athletes. Um, they were like, oh, you indicated that you played a sport before um, college. Like, would you be interested in playing rugby? And I was like, I'd heard of rugby. My older sibling played. I remember like sending back the, the coach, like a super like, just like eager beaver email. Like, oh my God, I've heard of rugby. I know what this is. I know what this is. Yeah. And they, she was probably like, okay, like little 18 year old Tiara, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> I, I get uh, like when you read an email, what well, was like email, the email version of the chill, 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 like chill, yeah, chill. Relax. It was like, yeah, I can imagine her. Like, I, I hopefully she has it saved somewhere, but it was like, OMG, I know what rugby is. Can't wait to like come out and like test out the team or something crazy. Um, and I did get to <laughs> go to try rugby day. I remember um, this is probably one of my favorite rugby memories. They like gave us like a flyer around campus and said, come try rugby. And I was like, okay, yeah, obviously when you go try rugby, um, they mean just like look, watch them play, like ask questions. So I showed up in a dress and flip flops. And they were like, yep. Okay, let me let me go back again. What kind of rugby were they playing over in UJ? Did you just go to like a social? No, no, no. no. I've seen a game, but I thought they were like I didn't think that they actually wanted us to try it. I thought it was like a play on the word try. Like, come back. Oh, cool, 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 cool. This is a good pun. Um, And so I showed up in a dress and in flip flops, um, and also late because that's just like trademark me because I'm always like to everything. And I was like, oh no. Um, and so I actually sat on the sidelines with um, 
an international ref, um, Emily Shea, um, who is nice. a dope ref. Um, and like, she kind of explained the game to me. Um, and then after that, I showed up to my next practice <laughs> in workout gear and stayed- A little bit more prepared. <laughs> a little bit more set for the try this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stayed, a, you know, had a couple more things um, ready to run around. Not a mouth guard yet, but we got there eventually. <laughs> it's a process, you know. Yeah. It's step-by-step -step process. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I can feel that. And, you know, it's interesting because you said, obviously, playing sports um, in high school, and I'm assuming in middle school, was it was it also – did you play contact sports as well, or was it just until you got to be able to play rugby? Oh, I wish I played um, lacrosse in high school, and that was probably the most like contact sport I had played. And there's really in women's lacrosse, there's really no um, contact. Um, and I think the NCAA considers um, rugby a collision sport, which is yeah. amazing um, because I, I love the high con high impact um, collision sport. But yeah, there's really no contact in. Uh, girls lacrosse compared to men's lacrosse where they are wearing full-on pads helmets right. uh, hit each other tackle go to the ground and you just wear these like little tiny goggles you have a stick you can't like enter the circle of someone's head you can do a body check kind of like in soccer but it's not as uh physical as something like rugby which is one of the reasons why i love the sport no oh, you know and was that look you know i talked with phaedra uh some a while ago but, you know, it was kind of a similar story of, like, being in Georgia. And I'm wondering if this is something in the uh, the water of Georgia where, like, you guys like to be in contact a lot. But obviously the opportunities are sparse. But once you get into that contact range, it's just like, yo, just beast mode through it and take over. It's like this pent up, this pent up, I'm going to say the countryness. That's just going to go. I'm, I'm just yeah, going to Yeah, I mean, I used to run around, like, in the woods barefoot with, like, my brother. And, nice. like, all of, like, you just you just rough it. And it's, I think it's, like, that's, it's so fun. And rugby is just, like, such a, a sport built on, like, the camaraderie of, like, even after a really hard-fought game, like, you can literally curse someone on the field. And then after, you're just, like, let's, like, drink a beer, get over a good game. Facts. Um, and I think that's the one thing. It's, like, you're not out there trying to, like, kill anyone. You're not out there trying to, like, um, like, shove people in this dirt you're out there to have fun do a sport that you love and do it with people that you respect and put your test your body each and every time um i've played rugby throughout very different points of my my fitness journey um and i think I, i've enjoyed it every part it's like sevens like at one point i was like yes sevens is a sport for me and now i'm like yo i can't keep up y'all <laughs> like, no, no, no. <laughs> chill 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 guys chill chill yeah, let's like, let's get back this to this 50. this was fun in college when we could keep up and now that running is hard no thank you <laughs> <laughs> look you see the knees the knees don't work the same way that they used to all right yeah. we, we, we got a different dynamic to this yeah i come away and i'm out for the rest of the week right now. <laughs> No, whenever you so you know whenever you got to to Brown, you were able to start playing rugby. Um, obviously, there was the excitement of having seen it. There was the excitement of being able to find that there was a, a, a team with it. But what was your your first initial uh, game? What was your feelings about those those first moments of being able to really make contact after dealing with lacrosse? Really having that team ability. What what was that entrance for you like? Yeah, um, actually our first game at Brown was against Cornell. We had driven up uh, down to Cornell. And I remember we had never tackled before practice. Like we had we had done like tackling from the knees, tackling from the hips. We'd never done like a full on, like let's get someone to the ground. We had a really big B side. We had a, um, a pretty, we had a really good A side. They were always Ivy League champions. Um, so watching them play, we had like played, but like before our first game, there was, um, we didn't fully take someone to the ground without pads or without like kind of going from our knees. And so right beforehand, they were like, okay, y'all, uh, we watched the A side play, and it was like they they won their match. It was like an intense game. That we were just like, whoa! Like our A sides are actually really good, y'all. Like, are we sure <laughs> we're gonna play this game? Um, and it was it was like it was just super fu like funny thinking like, oh, I've never tackled. And so we did our first tackles ten minutes before the game as like part of the warm up. They're like, there's no fear, like you've got this and then we went out and played um and i remember i can't remember if we actually won but because that's not important right now um, but <laughs> I, I feel like i don't know if that's like a good thing or a bad thing like in one part it's like yo you had so much fun where it's like you know the score is oblivious or 
The score was so bad that you guys just were like, I don't ever want to think about this. Match, like we did, like we literally, like we knew the rule, like ball only goes backwards. But like there was a, there was a kick, and we're like, what is going on? And there was like, this was back when like offsides was like also like the last foot of the. I mean, rugby rules have also changed, and this was like the first like crouch bind pause engage oh like, yeah when they had just made the switch over yeah so this is like we five were six like, years ago yeah well this is i my first year playing was like nine years ago now but um but yeah i think it was it was it was so fun and just like also had no idea what was going on um especially mm -hmm. like 15 rookie players most of us freshmen running around kind of like little kid soccer um but I mean, right the pure, the pure like joy of just being on the field and afterwards um uh, hanging out with the other team socially eating food um and all those things that just come with um playing rugby and even the the bus ride back from cornell with all of my like teammates i think there were like 40 of us on the team at the time um oh, nice. speaking about the game like riding a big bus with like 40 of your closest friends um all just like got done playing rugby and i think there's like no greater feeling um and being fortunate to be on a, a club team um at the time like my first years at brown was a club team and um, by my junior by my junior year we became a varsity program but we were fortunate enough to still be able to travel by bus and so being able to travel by bus uh stay in hotels when we had far away games like the camaraderie that you build with your teammates and this is also the first sport that i ever played with people who looked like me there were we had so many black women we had so many brown women we had so we had so many indigenous women um and i think that was like seeing like the pictures of like my first year playing there's like 10 beautiful brown smiling like faces um just like in rugby uniforms and it i think that was like the best feeling and there's bodies that look like mine i was always the biggest like volleyball player i was always the biggest like lacrosse player um and even though i've been an athlete basically my whole life i'd always been um built differently than the other people and i'd never seen bodies that look like mine and being able to go to a sport where they're like oh you've got rugby legs and i remember that being like, oh you've got like thick thighs you got thunder thighs they're like oh you've got some rugby legs like good you've got some scrum legs um, and so I remember just like, feeling so welcome and finally seeing bodies and people who look like me playing a sport um, and being just like unapologetically badass, like hitting someone. Um, there's like no greater feeling. I'm just true story. You know, I it, it I like I remember even for me, like I, I was, I, you know, football was my my basis high school mm -hmm. and in college. I didn't get to really do as much. Uh, um, but, you know, we would always have some small games here and I. I I even remember at the time, I didn't really think anything about rugby, but whenever I finally found it in Baton Rouge, and there's that anticipation of waiting on the sideline, I think, in your first game, where you're just like, oh, man, okay, yo, look, I'm just waiting. I can't wait to get in. And the coach just tells you, all right, kick in, go kick in. And you, like, you want to sprint on, and, like, there's something like the air is different, the field feels different, and, like, mm -hmm. when you're going into your runs, like, everything just resonates differently. Even the hits is just like, oh, right. This feels so good. It hurt a little bit, but it feels so good. But it didn't yeah. hurt as bad. But it's it's a it's a it's a high endorphin rush. Mm -hmm. um, but the interesting part from what you're talking about that I, I, I like was at this Ivy League that you're having all this diversity. Where you again, you know, if you took it off of what common thought would say is that, and I'm not to say that it might not be different, but the fact that there is not just all these brown bodies, black and brown bodies, but you have these uh, highly educated up in this area being able to show that it's not just as athletes. It's like mm -hmm. brains, two body, as well as anything else. So allowing the full roundness of a person to be able to come out of that moment, yeah. even if it's subtly done. And even all of my teammates, um, I'm, all of my teammates are badass. I am so fortunate to have played with and against so many amazing athletes and people. Um, a lot went on to like who studied like really amazing things. Like off the field, they were either like, always studying, were amazing singers, had so many different talents outside of rugby. Um, and I think that was um, another thing that really pulled me into the brown rugby um, like world. Um, everyone was not just like amazing on the field and wasn't just like a like high class like hardworking athlete, everyone else was also really driven in their personal lives. Um, whether it was um, 
artistic, whether it was academic, whether it was um, some other pursuit, like they gave 100% and had so many different passions. And I think that was like, wow, like you can be super passionate about so many different things and still give every single, um, every single aspect you're all in. Some of my teammates have gone on to do like amazing things. My uh, old roommate who is also um, a rugby player, played with all four years and was my co-lock at one point. She is currently in law school at UCLA. I have another, um, another teammate who I also locked with um, and she is doing a PhD program at Yale. I've got a couple of other um, former teammates who are in law school, who are in med school, who are just like really excelling in their careers who are dope, badass teachers, making sure that the next generation of young people have amazing, affirming educators. Um, all Some work in tech and some work in the finance industry. They all just do so many amazing things and are overachievers and underachievers in each of their own respects. And I think that's the community that I really needed to get through school, but to also like navigate the world after and to do it with fellow athletes and fellow rugby athletes was uh, a really great bonus. No, and I, you, you can't defeat, you can't not to be able to have a network like that and not just a network, um, just a, a support system um, mm -hmm. like that because it does allow you to say, I'm not alone in this. And uh, it's one of those very underestimated feelings to know that you have support from people who are very similar. Not Because, you know, you can always have familial support and, and, and uh, friends outside of it, but they might not know the exact struggle because they don't relate. So to be able to have so many people who were able to relate to the work both on and off the field uh, has to have been just a, an, another cloud nine situation, if one would say. Mm hmm you know, so I, I want to ask, you know, because we always talk about opportunities that are, are kind of created out of this, out of rugby. You know, for you, obviously, you, you took the dynamic of being able to become more of an activist and um, as obviously proceeded into the political sphere. Uh, for you, like, how much did rugby play into your starting to be able to learn and understand uh, the depths of uh, the social systems and, and uh, political systems that led to where you're at now? Yeah, well, like I said, it was um, it was a really big blessing to go to Brown and have so many um, teammates who look like me. In the context of greater varsity athletics at Brown, there were people outside of the rugby team team who were who were black who were brown who were indigenous and who were formerly low income who came from um low income families who came from places that weren't like big cities um and so to be a minority within this like sports culture at brown um it was it was definitely tough but i think it highlighted when i first started we were a club team we weren't a varsity program um and we had to fight to get varsity status we were the blackest team the brownest team the team with one of the highest gpas the team with one of the highest socioeconomic um, spreads amongst all the um, athletic programs at our school. And we were also the only one that was competing at a high level, um, competing in the Ivy League and outside of the Ivy League. Um, it wasn't a varsity sport. So I think seeing the injustice there, like this team looks so much different than the soccer team, than the softball team, than the swim team, than the water polo team. And yet we don't have the same access to resources, um, like having um, personal trainers. We're paying a high contact sport. We don't have the personal trainers that the, um, and this is like no shade to like the, like the swim team, but like the swim team is not ramming their bodies into like other people. Like they're definitely working hard as athletes. Um, the tennis team as well, and other, uh, the equestrian team. They, these athletes all work hard, um, and they deserve to have, um, like, a varsity program that makes sure they have um, uh, PTs and a weight program and um, folks to, like, make sure their injuries are addressed, like, right then and there. Um, but why can't that also exist for a varsity program like rugby? So seeing the treatment between us and other programs, we always had, like, the worst field times. We had to fight for field times, especially in the winter when it's snowing. Um, we didn't have access to um, practicing outside because it would go to varsity programs. So in the winter, we'd have to practice um, in an indoor setting at like 11 p.m. And we also still had classes the next day. And so feeling kind of like, whoa, why is it that we're getting treated like this? And it's like, you look around, and it's like, whoa, like, you're black, I'm black, she's brown. <laughs> and the people who are not treated like this don't look like this. So I think that was... <laughs> yeah, so, they're a little different. There's something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah something's <laughs> off. 
Um, but I think that was like the first um, using the sport to kind of ground like, hey, this is unfair treatment. And I'd seen that in other places, whether it was um, coming up from my conservative Christian background in the South and um, coming to uh, a more liberal setting where there were more conversations about sexuality and health. And I'm like, whoa, like, this is different, y'all. Um, and so I think that like really helped activate my voice. And like I said, the rugby team was high achieving people on and off the field. And I was like, well, I have to, I also have to like pour myself into things that, um, that resonate with my values and with my, um, with my skill sets. And so by the time I was a junior, we actually were elevated to a varsity status at our university. Um, and rugby's now becoming an, an emerging sport in the NCAA. And there's more uh, NCAA varsity programs popping up all around the country. Um, and in the Northeast, which is really great to see, like fellow Ivy League schools also became varsity, Harvard, uh, Dartmouth. Um, I don't know if there's any other programs, um, just because I'm no longer um, to, tapped into the college world, but seeing other programs become varsity and to see other athletes have the opportunity to get recruited, to play a high level sport, to have access to healthcare, physical therapy, and weight training to make their bodies even stronger, to elevate the level of play that we're able to get to, to have top level coaches um, is a real big privilege. And I don't think that if we had an advocate for things like that, we wouldn't have got it. And the sport of rugby wouldn't be growing the way it is um, in the Northeast and across universities where there's now um, more and more varsity programs, we're an emerging sport in the NCAA, and it can only go up and emerge even more from here. No, I believe that. And I, I've always felt like, and look, it, it might sound a little cliche at this point, but it's something that I still feel it always needs to be said, especially when it comes to the women's side of rugby. It seems to have been the part that has – I don't understand. I mean, I guess there's always historical context because of culture, but, like, even in this day and age, especially over the course of the last 10 years, how it's not the considered – ultimate key component to the growth of the sport and why it has been such a slow development into trying to initiate that because, uh, you know, you, you, you find it, and this is what I've, I've liked, especially with the growth of NAIA um, and, and the, you know, and how they've developed through <laughs> is you, you know, for a fact that in, in maybe other sports, there might be for, for lack of a better word, a, a cultural precedent that gets kind of put into place. Uh, rule changes that are done that got implemented in, and it kind of uh, creates a perception dilution of, mm -hmm. of the sport for whatever reason you have. But within rugby, one of the biggest advantages has been that regardless of uh, gender play, mm -hmm. you get the same rules, the same action, the same field sizes. There's same really no... Size same ball size everything stays consistent so the base foundation that you needed to have is done so if you're performing it with it then all you have to do is show that you can perform at the level and then as you got to see even over time and i feel like the 2017 rugby world cup but even probably for me personally i would say 2016 olympics kind of really solidified the factor that on a public on a, on a major public stage women's rugby is able to thrive as much as anybody else from the mm -hmm. elite. And that's what you need to know. If you can see done at the elite, then everything kind of trickles down from there. So to have such a slow effect of wanting to be able to support it when it genuinely has all the, the properties needed to be both entertaining, be a, a spectacle, be talented, and you also have the population to be able to actually invest into the sport properly. Yeah. It's been a weird, like I said, it's been a weird slow drive that yeah, I, and I'm like, I, I like football y'all but like it doesn't do it for me like let's <laughs> even just like seeing a diversity of sports in the states like people go I think there's like Thursday night football Friday night football Sunday right. night football and I'm like yo okay like let's maybe give a day to soccer to rugby because there's so many sports um that people can get into. And I will not pretend to know the rules of, of football. And I'm like, people are like, well, the rules of rugby are confusing. I'm like, yo, the rules of football are confusing. I can tell you what's going on half the time. Um, so no. it's, it's definitely, it's, it's sad to see that it, it's such a slow um, on-ramp, but like, I think that's why it's so cool to see rugby programs growing at the collegiate level and also growing at the, um, at the club level in cities. Like I'm, I'm fortunate enough to live in a city that has a really solid rugby program as well. 
um, living in Providence, having another like world-class coach, having a phenomenal team that's gone to um, the Elite Eight for the past three years. And this would have been our fourth hashtag COVID. Yeah. Um, I like the low-key humble brag while also simultaneously the sympathy. Yo, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> that's I like it. I accessible across all different um, age groups and that's why I'm excited to like even like the idea of having rugby growing at the youth level like the, the younger you play the more confident you are a lot of people are like oh my god it's a it's a contact sport concussions blah 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 it's safer than football it's safer than lacrosse it's safer than soccer there's less concussions um and if you learn how to use your body right at a younger age it becomes even more safe um and it's just so freaking fun like there is nothing more fun than rugby and i think it's the one team that i've been on like yes i had friends who played volleyball with me i had friends who were on my lacrosse team but all of my homies play rugby <laughs> <laughs> Yo, and look, and, and I think that's one of those things that have been so integral into the rugby culture. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really interesting because you kind of made a point about, like, you know, the, the different days where there is um, basically, you know, football and sports. But, you know, I, it was something that I kind of even learned recently. Uh, and I had the pleasure of watching this documentary. I, you know, you promote whatever. It's called, it was literally called A Rugby Story. And mm-hmm. if after watching it, it kind of put everything into place. And I think, and it'll, I think it'll kind of match into to to what I wanted to ask you next. But uh, you know, one thing that's always been interesting about rugby is the fact that as much as it's been a diverse sport, it has been built off of elitism. All right, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, it's, its whole component has been about restriction, not about growth. And the reason why you had like soccer and and American football be able to spread was because it related down to the common folk. Uh, the only sport that I think that came out of the, this rugby elemental spread, um, historical spread, might have been rugby league, which, you know, in Australia and New Zealand, mm-hmm. a lot higher, but in North England, I guess. But it hasn't really pushed the same level across the world. But again, but soccer and American football really hit their levels because of the fact that they attracted to the common man versus trying to hit the elite. And I think that was one culture of rugby union that's now hit us to this day where we know once you get inside rugby, it's almost like I don't understand how this is not bigger than what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, but then you realize like the culture, the historical culture of it that just resonates, whether it's in abject amateurism, which isn't wrong, but it's the way that it's trying to suppress everything into it uh, uh, has kind of proven its lack of ability to market itself out outside of just like, you know, this mm-hmm. pure amateuristic way. And I think that's what has always been able to hurt where it comes to like, yo, why aren't you getting this day? You should be able to win this day. You should be able to have this. You have, again, you have all the tools. Why are you not able to build this culture? Yeah. Well, it's also yeah. it's also interesting um, if you look at um, some of the islands where they start playing rugby at such a young age. They um, their like pickup game is soccer. We have uh, is rugby. We have pick, some cultures pickup game is just uh, soccer. Or here we have basketball or football. Right. Um, and if we get folks start at a younger age, it's also super cultural. If if you grew up with your parents and their friends hanging around throwing around a rugby ball on the weekend at a cookout or at the beach, and you'd be like, oh yeah, this is just our regular pastime. Um, but if Fact. you grew up and that's not the culture, um, then it's going to get harder and harder to like get into the sport. Like learning rugby in college, it's a it's a steep learning curve. I didn't think I I don't think I actually knew how to play rugby. Uh, or knew all the rules in rugby for like the first two years. I was kind of just like, yo, I'm a forward. I just hit people. I don't touch the ball. Right. Let's go. We just, we just, we hit the thing and then we get up and we hit the other thing. That's what we do. <laughs> um, and then so learning a little bit more of the nuance of how to play rugby. And it's like, oh, like forwards can also be key attackers. You can move around the field. Um, but I think it's like getting people started young, getting ingrained with the culture as young as possible, having more youth sports, having a rec league of rugby, having um, your little like five-year-olds running around playing flag rugby um, and just building that love from an early age and having families built around rugby. I know so many people who have kids who like, I want my kids to play rugby, but it doesn't exist. And it's like, well, we got to have more people bringing their kids into the, the sport of like rec league rugby. 
No, and that and that's really it. It it, it is it, like you, it's setting culture. Everything always comes back to setting culture, and I think even in this period right now, we have. And again, I, I will reference back to the pandemic, and again, mm-hmm. the misfortune of what the cost of it is. But because there was so much that got negatively hit, I feel like it allows the opportunity to be able to reset how you're looking at these things and how, you know, you're going about uh, uh, dealing with these youth rugby and also creating and, uh, and and exposing them to more aspirational people within it, even like yourself, you know, to be able to say, hey, I played rugby. I played rugby at a great school. And even if it's not at the school, played rugby, it created this network. It mm-hmm. taught me this dynamic and it allowed me to be able to have the setup yeah, there's a rugby player that's an astronaut. Like, what kid doesn't want to be an astronaut? Fact. Jessica Watkins. Yeah. Like, give me a favor and just shout her out and be like, yo, Jess, we need you on this podcast. Yeah, if you want to be friends, <laughs> also hit me up. Just kidding. Let's go! Get your Look up to, um, look right. up to her. Um, who are also rugby players. So like, wow, like, I didn't know that I could, like, go into this. It's like, yeah, like, it, it's just a sport that, like, breeds, um, breeds such a great community um, and... I just want more people to be exposed to it. Also, like, I just selfishly love all rugby people because <laughs> we're the best people. <laughs> oh, no, nah, it's facts. Like, it, it, it is uh, even from, especially, uh, and I don't know, have you ever gotten a chance to travel with rugby out, outside the country? Um, yeah. Yeah, um, undergrad, I got to, we got to play against McGill. We also traveled to Switzerland nice. and the Czech Republic to play the Czech national team and the Swiss national team. Um, Doesn't so it change just the perspective of how you look at rugby? You're just like, oh my gosh, this is this really is a unified network. Yeah. This is a unified culture out here. Yeah, it was super dope. And then I also in 2018 uh, traveled to Ireland and Northern Ireland to see the Rugby World Cup with my older sibling. Um, and fingers crossed, we will get to be able to see the World Cup in 2021 October. <laughs> I, I'm here. Look, look, New Zealand. 2021, let's let's get I, I've literally set my schedule up for this. Look, I already got the Olympics in the bag. I need this women's rugby world cup. This one is the one I wanted to have it all put together in it. I'm just like, guys, just just whatever you guys do with COVID, just find a way to make it stop because I want to get in on this. Yeah, I mean I'm like, yo, F um it's in October. I'm like, that's enough time for us to get our act together, y'all. Stay right? home so we can <laughs> finally go to New Zealand and watch the rugby world cup. <laughs> and if that's selfish, I understand. But no, no, that is good selfishness. <laughs> it's selfishness that helps the world. All right, it's, yeah. it's like I want everybody to be better so I can get what I need. All right, mm-hmm. think about me think and about it helps all my friends who want to travel to <laughs> New Zealand to watch the Rugby World Cup. <laughs> oh. No facts, uh, and and I'm I'm this that's one part. Oh my goodness, I really am hoping that they they get this all together by, mm-hmm. by then. I'm hoping at least hopefully by June, like just just guys, just just please, <laughs> like yeah, please. <laughs> I don't I don't know how else to beg, but this is also the longest time I've gone without playing rugby, and like fortunately mm. my team has had some like um we had a fitness competition. Um, still been doing like workouts. Some of my teammates also were some of the people who helped me on my campaign the most, knocked doors for me, um, were some of my biggest donors and biggest supporters. Um, but it's it's hard not having that community. You go from seeing your people every single like or Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays, and that's like your schedule. And um, especially for some people, your your time with rugby is so limited. Like your body has limits. Um, things start to creak, things start to break. Um, you get a little bit older, you have more responsibilities, you start having kids. Um, your ability and like time limit of playing rugby kind of dwindles and you want to get as much time out of it as possible. And like, we all mandatory get an extra year of playing rugby. That's it. Like, <laughs> it's just, just run it back again. Like just, just, this, this was, a, this was didn't count. Just run it back. We, we yeah. start no. <laughs> you know, so you kind of mentioned something in there and I want to catch this. So how much of it, in, in fact, were you able to, that your rugby, well, actually even being in Providence initially, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to understand that community, what, what was that process like? And, 
And and for you, how did because clearly rugby played a factor into your being able to also help with that as well too. Um, how did they kind of work, and how did you start to get to know your community itself? Yeah, I mean, um, being an activist definitely helps. Um, and the field where we play rugby is actually right in my district. Um, it is in one of the um, kind of unfortunate, but it's in one of the hotbeds of. Um, the highest asthma rates because it's in a the port of providence which has some of the highest pollution um in the country and one of the ninth highest asthma rates in the country and that's where we play rugby and it's it's so weird because oftentimes you see people who have to choose to play rugby at all these like crazy different fields and you line it like an hour before the game um and we also practice at like ragtag places um, and so to be able to understand when families are on the door, it's like, oh, our air quality is not good. There's always this weird smell. And I'm like, I actually know firsthand, like, that's where I play rugby. I play rugby right down the street. Um, I know how sometimes the air is hard to breathe, but there's like a noxious smell um, that prevents uh, quality of life. Um, and just being another real person, I'm like, oh, like, what do you do in the community? Playing, uh, not playing, but doing CrossFit um, at a gym where the, um, the trainer also played rugby, um, knowing people at the gym who live in my community who um, also play rugby or have connections to rugby, um, being able to say, like, hey, I know what things are important. Having even um, the Providence Gay Flag Football League. It's like, oh, there's another athlete, another queer athlete who um, is interested in sports and adult recreation. Being able to say those are, like, parts of my identity and like those are things that I enjoy and not just like I sit home and read books which I also do but being like a real full autonomous person that can connect to people rugby introduces you to so many different people from so many um walks of life and you just learn how to um connect with people on a on a different way um and I can probably have conversations with 15 different types of people because that's what you have to do on the rugby field you gotta learn how to talk everyone of your teammates um and so i think it really helped me navigate those relationships and get to know my city in a different way either from being an athlete uh being someone who works out in the city also being involved in youth sports uh, working with young people um, i was a wrestling coach because i was a rugby player they were like we need yeah we have a they had a young women's wrestling coach um for middle school and they're like we don't have any female wrestlers and they're like you play rugby why don't you like help us out and i was like i know nothing about wrestling but yes i do know how to tackle people sure i'll help out um and so being involved with our young people that way and being a huge proponent of youth sports and working at the local ymca where i'm also on the board of that ymca and saying Fitness and um, athletics is really important to me. How can we grow a family's interest in um, in physical activity, in sports, build a sports culture, um, either with basketball or with um, swimming or even rugby, thinking of ways that we can engage holistically in what it looks like to be healthy and happy and engaging your community. Um, I think those are all things that stem from my athleticism, which is also tied to rugby um, and just being part of a larger community of um, sport players. Oh, and I think that's that's so awesome because you don't really, I mean, obviously the, there's a lot of tie-ins, but the level of the tie-in that goes in and obviously how much it resonates downwards, I think, again, it gets underestimated mm -hmm. in it because it's such a simple way, simple, I'm not going to say easy, but a simple way to be able to connect in with the community because everybody can connect under physical education, can connect under uh, a, a team uh, dynamic and stuff like that and and to then be able to have the insertion into these uh executive positions even talking about being on the board for the ymca uh i wouldn't even really have thought about that until unless you know and in, in in terms of being able to set up for uh a further you know ironic political run mm -hmm. um moving forward but it does really insert you without having to feel inorganic right exactly and you I know, think that's the that's, best part about these connections. They're all organic. Um, it's not like I tried to do this, this, and this. It's like my love of sports, my love of like working in the community led me to the YMCA, led me to being an activist, led me to running. Um, it just so happens that I play rugby at a field that is in my community where <laughs> there is uh, an environmental hazard that I know firsthand <laughs> experience. Um, and it's all happy coincidence, but it's different ways that you can relate to people. Um, and it's completely organic and just like a product of doing what I love and living my, my life. You know, from, from doing that. And I always say this rugby, especially at the club levels, club college levels always has the biggest issue and maybe not so much into getting the community, but I don't know a little bit in the community, but even in mm. engaging when it comes to spread word, just, you know, talking about that previously, you know, for you, um, 
since whenever you started doing your campaign, did you feel like there was stuff that you, you could take now from doing this campaign run that bringing it back to the rugby club? You're like, hey, guys, you know, this this might actually be able to help us on the lo- low key. Like, I didn't even re- think about it until I had to do this. Like, you know, but were there some of those elements that you were starting to see that you were like, this this has a much wider spread and that can also help the agendas that I have that are not just uh, that work for my even personal um, uh, goals and ambitions? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways I want to plug the rugby community into the amazing and awesome things that are happening in my community, whether it's like doing uh, food banks and food drives. I had teammates who were helping me um, for Thanksgiving drop off cans of green beans. I had to collect 450 um, and had teammates who were helping me with that. Um, Doing a toy drive, making sure we're going to school, encouraging the next uh, generation of young people to engage in um, either secondary education, college, or careers and trades that uh, rugby folks might be in. Um, having rugby folks who are doing amazing things in the community, they're contractors, they're builders, uh, making sure they know that um, we're trying to build sustainable and green homes and how can we part with, partner with them to make sure that we have um, more wind turbines, more um, solar energy on top of the homes that they're building um, with their own company, working with um, the rugby teammates to figure out more ways that we can have more adult recreation. Um, all the different ways that um, the connections within having a large women's side, a men's side, and extensive alumni who play rugby um, for your province team, for Brown, um, and for other clubs that I've been a part of or that other teammates have been a part of. Um, I think it's really important that like rugby has a lot to offer, and we're so we're such a diverse community. People inside of rugby have so many different interests, and there's there's so many different ways to cobble us and plug us into the amazing things that are happening in a community. No, I love that because it changes just the dynamic of what rugby being just a sport or just the the, the crazy some people call it the crazy white boy sport or that <laughs> just those things those guys over there to an actual integral part of the development of the the country, uh, mm-hmm. not just just in and of itself. So you know, I, I love being able to see that you've continued to wind that through, and you're just setting up a blueprint that I hope that not only you continue to share, but people actually utilize more and more because uh, it is uh, significant uh, at all levels. Yeah. Hopefully there's more rugby players out there running for office. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope so. And look, 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 if we can get the all congressional rugby all-star team, let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Like, no, that whole, like a chamber, just like all in like rugby. Like, what? I'll train you. Let's go. <laughs> Yo, do you think that you're gonna be uh, uh, surprising? Like, just randomly do a line out, just just lift on a line out on one of these con- uh, uh, one of these senators, just be like, look, look, it's all love, rugby love. Don't worry about it. It's just, yeah. It's just funny funny enough, the governor of Rhode Island actually did play rugby in college, and so. Um, yeah, like there's like, there's a slowly like crescendo of rugby players ascending the ladder in Rhode Island. So <laughs> you can have it happen in your state too. The takeover is real. Let's yes. look, look. We can do this. We can yeah, do this. Honestly, it's a it's a long game, y'all. <laughs> the funny part is, I really do believe that we can do it. <laughs> no, same. Like, hit me up after this. I've got a plan. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. You know, we we got to we got to prep it right. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of winding down and 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 just kind of want to end it off. Uh, you know, correctly. You know, for you, obviously, now as you take this uh, next level as senator in a couple months, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're going to be into implementing. Like for you, uh, and, and you, I know you've probably said this on a million interviews before, but. You know what? Eh, it's another platform, so yeah. whatever. <laughs> you know, for you, what is it that you are wanting to or hoping to be able to achieve in this initial run? Um, and and obviously, just not just achieve, but hopefully that you're able to uh, learn and take in for yourself from from this next run as as a state senator. Yeah, well, I I think the the biggest thing is staying true to my values. Like, um, as a formerly low-income person, housing, especially during this pandemic, is going to be one of the things that I'm going to be ride or dying for. Like, we got to make sure that people are are housed, making sure that we're um, focusing on wealth inequality, focusing on ways that we can make sure there's money in the pockets of the people who need it most, and it's not being hoarded at the top. 
um, and making sure we also are listening and reflecting on who our working class is and how we can make sure we're elevating our working class. Um, and also just like being badass and unapologetic about all the ways that I'm going to fight for my community along the way. Um, I don't want to be someone who's afraid to like say like, fuck that. I don't want to be someone who's afraid to say that. Um, what if that's too radical? What if no one else believes it? Because um, a lot of people didn't believe that I'd win. And so I think it's definitely important to challenge um, what people thought was possible before in politics and really change the, uh, the idea of status quo um, and challenge people like, hey, these are everyone should have food, everyone should have a house, everyone should have access to their basic needs being met. Um, and how do we do that through policy? And if we all believe that at the end of the day, we can um, create communities that look better than the communities that we started with. Yo, I love it. I love it. And I, I think, like you said, I, none of those are radical ideas, but they're very common sense. Uh, but to know that, uh, you know, you got to teach people to sometimes look at the long term without being so awestruck by this short term need for reasons. That's what I like to say. Short term need for reasons. <laughs> so I'm happy to be able to see it. And yo, where can they where can they find you? Because now that you are a public servant, you know, people <laughs> be able to know how they can address their, even if they're not in the state of Rhode Island, senator to be. Yeah, um, I have Insta, Facebook, and a website and Twitter, um, all at Mac District 6. And my website is tiaramacdistrict6.com, uh, and that's all the number six. Um, follow me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Those are the platforms that are most active. And then for more information about my platforms and policy papers and ideas and like more cute pictures of me, my website. Yo, Tiara, thank you so, so much. Yo, and uh, yo, I can't, look, I know you're going to be busy, but somehow I'm going to find a way to get you back in just to be able to do like another update through. Yeah, well, if you're recording at the uh, Rugby World Cup in October, I'll be there. Done. Done. <laughs> All right. Yo, Tiara, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And, yo, guys, uh, please definitely check out check her out. Definitely give your support. Uh, and, obviously, be able to – it's just inspirational to see somebody doing big things and utilizing what they've learned through rugby, what they've learned in life, but learned through rugby and being able to utilize it in a practical way that just generates them up. And, uh, you know, again, you can't match that kind of passion uh, for just wanting to be helpful in that love for rugby. I genuinely appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys for taking the time to listen. Please take a listen to some of our other podcasts. We had last time uh, the host of Black Girls Rook, uh, podcast and on Woosery. Uh, we've had uh, Jackie Finland of the Rugby Breakdown. Uh, we have had um, Chetta Emba for USA Rugby. We've had Kyle and Tiana Granby of Roots Rugby. We've had James Brunson of the North Philly Nomads. You can actually watch their movie The Nomads on Amazon now. Uh, you, we've had Adam Gray Hayward of... Um, uh, play the movie Play On, which actually that movie kind of disappeared. It used to be on Amazon, and uh, we gotta get we gotta find a way to get that movie back. Uh, but great interviews. Uh, we've had great people, Nia Tapper. Uh, we have had Blaine Scully on there. We have had Phil Thiel. Uh, we have had Nicholas uh, Walcott. You know, we've had some great, amazing guests that just listened to uh, that have been improved. Amelia Lucianu. Uh, World Rugby Ref Just absolutely want to be able to check it out And listen And just get to know these people And know how important their contribution is to rugby And not just theirs But your contribution is Just by taking the time to listen Learn And uh, be able to use that for what you need to But in the meantime I hope you guys have an amazing holiday I hope you guys have this amazing little tweener Between the holidays And I hope you know that That you are I hope you are happy, I hope that you are healthy, and I hope you know that you are highly favored. Talk to you later. Cheers.